Isaiah chapter 52. We're going to talk about the call to Christ before we talk about Christ for several weeks throughout chapter 53. We're going to build up for the last couple of verses of chapter 52, verses 11 and 12 this evening. Isaiah. Shortly after I was saved, someone asked me what my favorite Old Testament book of the Bible was. And I didn't know any of them. And I didn't know anything about them. And I didn't want that to be my answer. So I said Isaiah. And, and you could say that was true because, I mean, a verse came to my mind from Isaiah. I, I knew Isaiah 9, 6 already. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Just a hard verse to, to forget once you've heard that. But also the same was true for the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. There are words and phrases and portions of that chapter and though the words and the truths have just danced around in my head since... I was newly saved and heard that chapter. They've just never left my mind. They come up in such great witnessing opportunities, especially when you have someone that believes a religion and they believe the Old Testament, but they do not believe that the New Testament is of God. They believe in a Messiah, but they do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Their are some very special words to witness to that soul. As a matter of fact, when Pastor Stone announced that I was going to teach on this, a member of our church, Mark Dalgo, he said he came to me and he said, I have a very special interest in that chapter because he was raised uh, believing in the Old Testament that it was of God and he believed was led to believe in all the prophets and all of that but not the New Testament. But there was some time in his life when he came along, chapter 53 of Isaiah, in one way or another, and he said, beyond the shadow of a doubt, the Messiah is Jesus Christ. And he was saved out of a false religion and born again in the Lord. A lot of evangelism will come from this book, this chapter of the Old Testament. Isaiah has been called the fifth gospel instead of a prophecy. However, it is a prophecy. It is from a major prophet Isaiah. And it is the biggest portion of prophecy in the Bible uh, that's together in one book. Isaiah is quoted more than any other Old Testament prophecy. There is more reference made to Isaiah from the New Testament than of any other prophecy in the Old Testament from anyone in the New Testament. 
someone said of the book of Isaiah that it looks as if it has been written beneath the cross of Golgotha. Someone else said it's the book of Romans but written in Hebrew. In this chapter, when we get to 53, we're going to share... Jesus Christ and the the writing the scripture we're taking it from was penned by the Holy Spirit through Isaiah 700 years before it ever took place before God ever manifested himself on this earth in the form of his son Isaiah received and prophesied the clear revelation that Jesus took the place of guilty sinners and paid the price for their salvation. The names of Jesus that we find throughout the Bible. Maybe that will be my series again. I'll go back to it after Isaiah. I love the names of Jesus we find through the Bible. I was so overwhelmed at all the names of Jesus that we find in the book of Isaiah alone. And I'm going to read them off just because I love them so much. I don't think that's selfish. I think you love them too. And this isn't even all of them. But he is the angel of his presence, the arm of the Lord, the banner to the people, child, commander, counselor, covenant of the people, diadem, everlasting father, firmly placed foundation. He's the foundation laid in Zion. He's the God of Israel. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's Emmanuel. He's leader. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord your Redeemer. He's the majestic Lord. He's the man of sorrows. He's the mighty God. He's the mighty one of Jacob. He's the precious cornerstone, the prince of pre the Prince of Peace, Redeemer, Righteous Servant. He's the rod of the stem of Jesse. He's the root of Jesse. He's the shoot of the stem of Jesse. He's the Son. He's the tried stone. And His name is wonderful. All of that in this evangelistic book of Isaiah. Albert Barnes calls Isaiah the fifth evangelist, that, that this book is the fifth gospel, if you will. He ministered to Israel through a tenure of four kings. Isaiah rebuked sin. He preached separation from the heathen. He prophesied their bondage, their freedom, and their deliverance into freedom. This is a great book, and most would say that the 53rd chapter is the greatest chapter of this book. But before we get into this chapter, we're going to go to chapter 52 to set it all up. Before we get into the life and the ministry and the gospel of Jesus, His death, burial, and resurrection, how He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. We are going to get to chapter 53 soon, but we're going to build up to it 
throughout chapter 52 as we first look at a call to Christ in verses 11 and 12. As Israel is written to, it says, Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your reward. A call to Christ. We're just going to talk about three things tonight. Israel being captured in bondage, content in bondage, but then collected from bondage. Captured in bondage. What we have here is the Lord God giving assurance that He is going to break Israel from the bondage that they are in. God's people were taking enemy by the, by the captive, by, by, by the Assyrians and by others, by the enemy people groups against God, and Israel lost their freedom that they had. Israel rebelled against God. You know, and, and so do people today. And they do so because of the sin nature. The sin nature we received of Adam. Every single one of us have received that propensity to sin. That nature that rebels against God. No one is born right the first time. No one comes into this world free. We come into this world in the bondage of Adam. All begin in bondage. But the good news is that anyone can be set free. But no one can be set free any way they want to. No one can be set free of their own will and their own volition. There is only one way for the soul to be set free from the bondage that we begin in, and that is Christ. It is only in Jesus Christ that we might be set free. The Bible says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We can't make ourselves free, but the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Eternal Father, He can set us free for eternity. And that's the message the world needs to hear because people think, that they are good on their own. We have a progression in this world and an innovation of things, and people think they have got to a place where they're so smart that they can set themselves free, that they are self-sufficient. There are even people out there in this world, and they think that they are going to improve the human being. But the truth is the human being is decaying and in bondage and no one will ever set that captive free except for Jesus Christ. People are deceiving themselves of man's initial state that he is in and has always been in. It is much worse than I can tell you what our 
initial state is as a sinner, as born of Adam. I can't explain it all to you in in detail to make us see this gruesome picture. I have underlined some things in my Bible to help me. In Romans chapter 5, you can look in verses 6 through 10, and I have underlined some phrases and some words to remind me of what I was and what the miracle of salvation has saved me from. You will find words that describe us before Christ, such as without strength, ungodly, sinners, and enemies. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way, dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, in the lust of our flesh, children of wrath without Christ, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. The picture of humanity is a terrible one before Christ. Being captured in the bondage of sin is something that no preacher could ever preach and truly convey the truth of it altogether. The sad thing is, There's so many people gathering in so many so-called churches and they are not preaching and teaching man's greatest need. There's too much talk of a sanctifying process and getting plugged into the church and doing things for God before getting plugged into God spiritually and regenerated by the Holy Spirit, trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, being made new again as a new creature in Christ, having all of our sins forgiven. There is such a great need for that, and so much of that is not going on. So there is a great need that we would share man in his destitute condition before coming to salvation. But looking at that and people not getting that and the understanding of of what the human being is before Christ makes the next point so very sad. As we go from captured in bondage to looking at being content with bondage. Verse 11, Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence. Of those who lived through the 70 years of bondage and and, and made it alive and lived that long, most didn't recall their defeat and their capturing that brought them into bondage. That's a very sad thing because what that means is they became content with bondage. They adapted and they conformed to a lifestyle of bondage when they no longer had to. They they got used to it and that's the way that they lived. It kind of reminds me of the rancher when the when the cows got out of the fence. And he's doing everything he can to get those cows back in. What their needs were met where he was trying to take them. They had the food supply they needed. They had what they needed to quench their thirst. There was a roof to 
go over their head. And this big rough cowboy starts getting tears in his eyes because these cows will not go in the direction where they're going to be safe, where they're going to be provided for, where they're going to be loved. And that's the same thing that was going on with a lot of Israel. And it's the same thing that goes on today with so many people. Today, the grace offer doesn't interest most most folks. It doesn't cause someone to look into God and to investigate God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Folks are dominated by sin, drowning in corruption, and so many are content to stay where they are, severed from God, from God, in bondage, living a life in bondage. But there is good news because no one has to live in bondage any longer who doesn't want to because Jesus has come to set the captive free. He has come to set us free from bondage. Anyone who will. There's a false doctrine out there, and I'm just going to bluntly call it that. And that doctrine would be of those who believe that God saves everyone that He draws to Him. In other words, those who aren't saved weren't drawn to God. And, and I don't debate with people. I found a lot of my time wasted in debating with people and I don't do that too much anymore, but I remember a time where, where someone challenged me on my stand there, and they said, do you really believe that the power of God could be drawing someone to salvation and they could resist it? I said, I believe that very well, because there are those who are indwelt with the power of God, who resist the power of God in their lives. So surely a lost, separated sinner, dead in sins, can resist the power of God. Be sure, beyond the shadow of a doubt, make no mistake about it, that people resist the Savior and they choose sin instead. I did so for the longest time in my own life, and many have, and many still are. There is a choosing of filth over a faith. Faith that Jesus Christ. The call clean that bear the vessel of the Lord. There were many vessels that were used in the temple. And only the priestly tribe of Levi, only those who were holy, could carry those things, could carry the vessels. Only those who were, be ye holy as I am holy. They had to be holy. It was a requirement that they be holy in their life to be able to serve God in this way. And it's the same today. He demands that you and I be a clean vessel for Him to use us. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If a man therefore shall purge himself from these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the Master's use, and prepared 
unto every good work. And we can't make ourselves suitable for the Master's use. It's what He does in every single one of us. And it starts with being saved and then being sanctified by Him. And God wants to make everyone meet for the Master's use. I'll never forget looking around in church when I was first attending church, and I knew I was so unlike everyone in there. Well, I found out I wasn't so much unlike everyone in there, but I wasn't saved. And that's, that's what it took, that God would do the miracle of making you and I God is love. He loves us. And He's holy. So He wants to cleanse us from sin. And He wants to have communion with us. He wants relationship with us. And He does everything that we need for it to be able to happen. There's a call. There's an invitation for all to come to Jesus. And He appointed His Son to provide that opportunity for anyone by His shed blood. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and there is no other cleansing agent that will wash us from sin. Listen as I read from the very first chapter of Isaiah and I'm going to verse 16 where it says, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I think of so many people I know of who have dropped into despair because religion was so hard. And I agree that religion is hard. Religion is impossible, but a relationship is not. A relationship with Jesus Christ, it begins freely It begins in a moment in our lives when we realize that we are sinners and Jesus Christ died for our sins. And by the faith of the gospel, by the faith of the word of God that we're given in our hearts, by that word, we can trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior freely. It doesn't cost you a thing. There's nothing else involved. But the faith He gives you by this word we're, we're sharing tonight, that you would say, yes, I trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that blood He shed on the cross so long ago, even before the foundation of the world and the plan of God, it washes you and makes you white as snow. What good news the gospel is. And God, the heart of God desires to cleanse everyone from sin. He knocks at the door that one might open 
that they would be saved from sin. He appointed His Son in our place that we might have that opportunity. But the poor blinded soul who becomes content with bondage, who wants that, who chooses sin over the Savior. Thank God for the power of His Word and His Gospel and Jesus Christ still saving folks today. But with that, let's go to the collecting from bondage in verse 12. For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your re-reward. Which, which means to collect. The collecting from bondage. For those who would be delivered, there was an assurance in it and a confidence to be had. God's collecting back of His people wouldn't be in the brutality and the way that they were snatched up into captivity, that they were captured away. Those who desired to be freed from their bondage, who trusted and obeyed God, experienced His peace. There is peace with God, and there is peace nowhere else. Therefore, being justified by faith, justified means to be made right, People in religion try to do something to get themselves made right, and they never get to that place because it doesn't exist. Therefore, being justified, made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember where you came from? Do you remember when you realized that your life was in hostility against God? And it didn't even start with us. It wasn't our decision. It was that sin nature that was passed down to every one of us. But those who desired to be free experienced the peace of God. And there is no other peace than, let me say it, like His name in the book of Isaiah here, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He gives peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the one who overcame our conflict of sin and shed His blood for us. And then throughout our lives, the promise to Israel and the promise we have is that the Lord will guide us. The Scripture says, The Lord will go before you. The 23rd Psalm says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. I think of six young men that just graduated. I've thought about them for weeks now. And something I know that they desperately need is guidance from the Lord in life. And the reason why I know that is because we all need that. No matter how much we grow or how long we've been saved, we need the guidance of the Lord. We cannot conquer this world. This world will conquer us. But Jesus says, be of good cheer, 
I have overcome the world. That is something to be joyful about. The only way we're going to overcome is in Jesus Christ. We can have success in life. We can hang our heads high knowing that we can have it as we follow the lead of Jesus Christ. And He is never unfaithful. He never lets us slip slip by. He never forgets about us. And He will lead us throughout our lives. We sing a song sometimes, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. And we can depend upon the good shepherd who is faithful and true, who will never let you down. You will never be disappointed. There are some Christians who may be disappointed, but they're not disappointed in the decision that they made to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They are not disappointed in God and how God leads their lives. It would be a disappointment in self, but not in Him. He goes before us, but He not only goes before us, He goes behind us. Back to the 23rd Psalm, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow thee all the days of of your life. And you probably heard me tell the joke about this member of the church who had to go sit and talk to the preacher and use the preacher to try to figure out their problem. They said... There's two people that are following me around and they won't stop. What do I do about it? And, and he wasn't experienced in that field of dealing with that, but he looked at that 23rd Psalm that was on the wall behind him and said, oh, that's no problem. That's just goodness and mercy that's following you around from the Lord. He goes before us and he has our blind spot too. These, these new cars that are coming out which lead us to depend on them to drive us rather than ourselves. I'm telling you, I don't like them. Call me a fuddy-duddy, whatever you want to call them. I, I don't like it. But you go to change lanes and there's someone in your blind spot and I forget where it is on the car, whether it's inside or outside on the mirror, but a light lights up. When there's a car there in your blind spot to stop you from hitting that car. I'm not saying that there's not some good in it. I I just don't like the thought of depending on that and one day letting go of the will. But let me say this. Jesus has our blind spot. The police officer would say it this way of his fellow police officer. When he's behind watching over him, he says, I've got your six. And when it comes to our Lord and Savior and how goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, you can count it. You can count the promises of God that the Lord Jesus Christ, He has your six. And He he goes before you and He's behind you all the days of your life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, it says. The future is bright for the child of God. To become a child of God, 
There is a perfectly glorious future that God has prepared. Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also for free. Praise God for this glorious assured future that we have. What a wonderful promise that no one has to be in bondage any longer to sin. The penalty has been paid for. We're not going to be perfect. We're being saved from the power of sin. But understand this. Jesus has paid the penalty in full. I'll tell you just like the old country preacher said it, I couldn't go to hell if I wanted to. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what Jesus Christ has done. And I will not insult Him to think that He's going to hand me a baton to be able to get to heaven. My Lord and Savior paid it all on that cross. Not in installments, all at once. And He has assured eternal life. There is no danger of hell for the child of God. But there's danger here. It encompasses us all about. All day as we go. We are going to be tempted for the rest of our lives. I am so glad one of the first things that I learned is that old sin nature that was crucified on the cross is going to raise up from the dead and, and I'm going to have temptation to sin the rest of my life until I get to heaven. But thank God that greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. That we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I wasn't in a fight before. I was handcuffed by the devil and he was my boss. I was at his will, but I'm glad to be in a fight now. I'm glad to be able to fight sin. We're not, win we're not going to win it yet, but understand that the war has already been won in Jesus Christ. And it's good to know what's going on within us, that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these things are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that you would and it is in a battle and it's in a, a battle for the rest of our lives but praise God we're able to fight in it in the power of the Lord and have some success oh what a wonderful promise that we have in Christ he goes before us he is behind us he promises protection for His children. He gives us 24-7. And He never forgets about His people. When we will simply arrange ourselves under His leading. When the family used to go to town with horse and carriage. And the dog wanted to go. He was safe. As long as he stayed under the wagon. Maybe that's why they put that. That, that cast iron pot of food under the wagon. So whatever animal would stay under the wagon. If he got wandering off and, and getting interested in these strange scents, he might go off and get in trouble. But if he arranged himself under the wagon, following the family, 
he was safe. And if we will arrange ourselves in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, let him have our lives, let him lead us, and stay under the wagon, he promises protection there. He promises to bless and to help his children no matter what this cruel world brings upon us. And we will still face some tough things, you understand, but he promises to bring us through. Whether he brings us out of it or we stay in it, he's going to bring us through it. Let us trust him. Let us submit ourselves to him. He promises protection even from the devil. Something came to my mind at the graduation banquet as I think of six young men going into this world that the, that the devil is second in power and he's quite a deceiver. But the Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Now, if you just try resist the devil and he will flee, that's not going to happen. But submit yourselves Therefore, to Almighty God resist the devil, and he will flee. And he's calling Israel back. Israel fell into rebellion, but God is a good father. And as a good father, he calls his children back, and he has a place for them. There remaineth therefore a rest. For the people of God. He calls His people back. And maybe that's someone here tonight. Maybe that's someone listening online. And you are a child of God. You have come to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe long ago. Would you humble yourselves before God if you realize you need to come back? You need to come back and get under the wagon. You need to come back and get it in His will, submit yourself to Him. Or maybe you're here tonight, and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And what the power of God and His Word and His Gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son in our place will, will lead you to do is to repent. Change your mind about sin and about the Savior. Be, don't, pres, don't try to present yourself better, but just be willing to turn from sin and turn to the one who died for your sin. Jesus, I trust you to save me from my sin. I couldn't have told you anything else about the Bible when the Lord saved me, but I knew that. I had come to know, it took a long time, <laughs> sitting in Sunday school, it finally hit me that I was a sinner and Jesus Christ is Savior, and I can trust Him as my personal Lord and Savior, and He would save me from my sins. He did it, and, and it stuck, and it's real, and it's true. Family was waiting for the religious fad to pass. It never passed, because Jesus saves freely, and He saves eternally. So whatever the case may be with you tonight. Would you submit yourself to God? Maybe it's to be saved. Maybe it's to come back home. To come back home to the will of God. Would you do that? Would you do business with God as He would have you to do? We're going to pray. 
And then it's an opportunity for you to respond to the Word of God. Maybe you've responded during the service as we have worshipped the Lord. And you can come before everyone and, and let them know what has happened in your life. Or maybe you would just like to come and kneel up here. And it's just between you and your Father. There's one mediator between, between man and God. And that's the, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and no one else. You don't have to come to me even though I'd love to pray with you. But you can come and pray to the Lord. Let us bow. Father in heaven, we do come before you tonight and we thank you for your timeless word. As we look at how you dealt with Israel and loved Israel and opened your arms for them to return to you, you do the same for us today. And we need that tonight. If we would be ever so close to Thee, Lord, may that be our heart's desire. And we know what Your desire is for the one who has simply never received forgiveness for all their sins. That they would meet Jesus Christ in their heart and trust Him tonight as their Lord and Savior. Dear God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may it be so tonight. And we pray, dear God, that you would draw, that you would help our hearts, that you would speak to us, though not in an audible voice, but within, and you would impress upon our hearts your will. And we pray these things in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen.